Welcome back, everyone. We are back with season two of our Sinners Anonymous podcast, season two, episode one. Um, today, we've got a special guest with us, Abunawisa. Uh, I'm Justine. Michael. Father Wisa. Karen. Theophilus. And today, we're talking about masculinity and femininity. And uh, yes, femininity is a real word. So if you don't believe me, you can look it up. Um, today's topic is one that was requested by many people, and it's one that's pretty relevant in today's society. So we hope that this is a topic that appeals to you. And make sure to follow us on our Instagram at sinners.anonymous. We put all the updates there and all the links to our podcast and YouTube videos. So give us a follow to stay updated. Okay, and Abuna, if uh, you want to... In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We ask you, our Lord, to be in our midst and guide this conversation and give us the wisdom to glorify your holy name through the intercession of St. Mary and all the choir of the saints. Hear us when we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, th thank you so much, Abuna. It's very refreshing to actually pray on camera. Um, just so everybody knows, Abuna Wisa is uh, the uh, the steward of our service here at uh, uh, St. Mary's. Um, he leads uh, the youth, and uh, he's uh, been a, a guiding light for us for so long. So it's a pleasure to have you, Abuna Wisa. Thank you so much thank for coming. Thank you, Theophilus. Okay, so let's uh, go ahead and get started. Uh, our topic today is one that's very controversial. And it's controversial because for the longest time, what a man was was very clearly defined, and what a woman was was very clearly defined. At some point in the last, I would say, maybe 10, 20 years, that began to change. And now we have this confusion where what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? There are many 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 definitions but there's only one correct one and today we're going to talk about how that happened how did that happen what that definition is and how we can get back to it but probably more importantly is how each and every single one of us has a duty a very important duty and that is to maintain such an important part of our identity in order for things to remain in order you know when we when we read genesis the world was chaos and, and Satan is, represents chaos. And God, our, our, you know, comes in and he creates order from that chaos. And whenever, any time in the world, the, someone comes to create chaos, they are against God's will. And God put things in a specific order, and we're going to talk about that order. And when things are uh, pushed out of that order, bad things happen. Really, really bad things happen. Uh, with the individual, with families, with our societies, with our churches, with our communities, with everything. And we're going to talk all about all of that today. So let's start off at the very beginning. What does it mean to be a man? And what does it mean to be a woman? So I'll start. So a man and a woman. At the beginning, it says in Genesis um, 1 verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So what is the purpose or what is the plan or the vision for humanity that God had? So basically, he created them and he created them equal in everything. 
yes, there is differences in what they do, but they were equal in his eyes in everything. And there was no differentiations between them in God's eyes. What do we think or what? why do you think things have changed in the last, say, 15 to 20 years? Well, God created them to complement each other. He created Adam and he said it's not good for man to be alone. And he created a helpmate for him. And so maleness needs a complement in femaleness. There's certain qualifications or qualities that men have um, that require a the counterbalance and the same thing with 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 women there's a counterbalance between us we have we're equal and yet we each have our own strengths and our own weaknesses and we complement each other i would actually argue a little bit that i i wouldn't say the change happened 10 to 15 years ago i would say it happened in the 60s when the feminist movement started and we started saying and you've probably heard this many times said a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle and just to say, oh, it's so, so absurd, women don't need men. And yes, true, it, we came, it came from an area where there were a lot of women that were, that were abused, that were disrespected, that weren't given their honor that they should have. And the counter-reaction was too far in the other end to say, we don't need men and we can be everything that men can be and we can just put them off to the side. And so that's what created this confusion at this point. And I think something that Theo had mentioned is how um, there's now been an imbalance between the roles of man and female, man, male and female, not man and female, um, <laughs> man, male and female. So when you have like like both Abuna and Michael, you, what you you all were saying was that each gender has its own role and they complement each other. Um, I, I agree that I think it may have started even more, or, or even further back than the 60s. I would say around World War II, when women were needed to carry out jobs because all the men were out at war. And then women started seeing the opportunity that there is for them instead of being regular housewives, they can go out, work in the field. And that kind of opened the door to allow them to realize, wow, I can do what a man can do. And then that was kind of where the, the movement started and they wanted equal rights and, um, you know, rights to vote, which is great and amazing. But then it started shifting even more towards, you know, let's say women are on this side, men on, are on this side. The women started shifting more towards the men's side to say, we can do what the men do and we should be able to carry out these roles. Um, just a basic thing that, you know, there's a reason why men are primarily in construction jobs and women are not. Just the basic physical capabilities that men are naturally created to have more muscle and more ability to do more laborious or laborious types of work, whereas women aren't. Um, what, that's why a lot of women are in healthcare fields because they have a compassionate side to them. Needless to say, men don't, or I'm not trying to say that men don't, but that's why you tend to see a predominance in the healthcare field towards women. Um, so I think nowadays things have shifted a little bit more to where Everyone thinks they can do the other gender's roles, but they have forgotten the true identity to what their initial purpose was. And Mike, you brought a great point that men have certain qualities that are great for them. Women have certain qualities that are great for them, but they're not looking at their strengths. They're looking at 
what the other strength is for the other gender and how they can take that on to become even more stronger, even though that's not what they were originally assigned to be, but that's what they're looking to do. I mean, to be honest, I think it really is, uh, if, to answer directly Abuna's question, which is why did this happen? Um, I, think it's, I think it's part of the grandmaster plan of the evil one. Um, I think that's always kind of been his focus, right? I mean, he's not omnipotent, the devil. He is not all powerful. He's limited. In fact, the Holy Fathers talk about how they win, they win their race against the devil by persevering, by outlasting the, the devil, right? And so when something like this is, is so powerful yet limited in its scope, it's going to be very wise. And it's going to know, well, I need to be very precise in my attacks. And so if you sit back, put yourself in the devil's shoes for a second, you sit back and you're thinking to yourself, how do I maximize the amount of souls that are not going to make it to heaven, that are not going to enjoy the love of their father? And when you start thinking like that, you realize, well, what if I attack them at their core, right? The, the, the one decision that we don't get to make and, and man has never been allowed to make regardless of how much they want to rebel against God, is gender. You don't, that's the one thing in your life you don't control. That's the one thing that God selects for you. Almost everything else, you have some sort of authority or power or say over. Almost. Free will. Yes. But the one thing that God selects for you is your gender, right? I have known you uh, before you were in the womb. I have grained you in the palm of, of my hand. That's what God tells us, right? So God knows what gender we're going to be even before we exist technically, right? He, know, he knows before we exist in this earth, he knows. So the devil thinks to himself, well, what if I attack that identity? Because everything in our lives is not, not necessarily based on gender, but it's tied to our gender. And so if I can convince this young woman to think she's a man, if I can convince this young man to think he's a woman, there goes that person's future. There goes that person's happiness in marriage. There goes that person's sense of belonging. There goes that person's peace. And now I've created enmity before man and God. Because how dare you make me something I don't think I am? It's the ultimate in your face, big guy. You know, who are you to do this to me? Sound familiar? I mean, this is, this is Lucifer. Who are you? Who made you there? I, I can be greater than you. I don't need you. Right? So it, it's this, it's for, from the devil's perspective, it's this brilliant move to really create a big stumbling block between man and God. And once you get someone there, then chances of them being close to God are not only reduced, but uh, the hatred of God. Because some, some of these people that believe in this, that they can switch, they either don't believe in God, or if they do believe in God, they have an ax to grind against him. And when they have families, which by the way, of course they can't have families, right? But they, but they adopt or whatnot. They breed that enmity, that hatred of God into their children. And then those children into their children. And all of a sudden, the numbers of Satan's uh, disciples are growing and gods are, are shrinking. Because if you can destroy the family, you take away the one thing that God the Father desires more than anything, which is to be with his children. 
If you can destroy the family unit, which is supposed to act as a protection, man and woman and uh, and uh, the, the Holy Father, if you can break this down here, because you can't break this, but if you can break this down here, the man and the woman, uh, then then it, it's it's like a buy one get one free at Publix, right? <laughs> you you've you've destroyed two lives and you get three destroyed as well, or or two or whatever it is, right? And so that goes on from generation to generation to generation. So so my my my. Perception, and honestly, this is not even my perception. This is the the, the, the more recent Desert Fathers, both the the Eastern Orthodox and the ones that lived in uh, in our contemporary times, warned about this. Warned about a time where people would go mad. I mean, this is Saint Anthony. Biblical. Yeah, Saint- yeah, Saint Anthony too. He's not really contemporary. Well, I don't know how old you are, so you, you, might, you might be your <laughs> contemporary. But uh, but warned about what people would go mad and and look at the people that are not mad and say, "There's something wrong with you. You're wrong." When in reality, they're the ones that are crazy. So, so when we look at it, this has always been a warning. God has always known this can happen. He's trying to prepare us uh, for it. But at the end of the day, what, what boggles my mind, what surprises me incredibly is how fast, how fast it changed. Okay, so you said the 60s, you say World War II. But like, to be honest, even during the 60s, even in World War II, they were not mainstream. This line of thinking, in fact, the DSM-4, when someone had gender dysmorphia, when someone dysphoria. thought that they... Dysphoria. Okay, doctor. Uh, when, when someone thought they were the other gender than what they were physically. They diagnosed them as mentally ill. Yes. Specifically, yes. DSM-4 is uh, yes. what, what he said. Yes. DSM-5. No, there's the a DSM-5 is the, is the newer the one. In the DSM-4, it was. No, it was three. It was three. It was three. DSM-3. It doesn't matter. The point is that at some point it was a mental mental issue. Something happened in the last 30 years, more recently, where all of a sudden this is now the mainstream thought. Yeah. And that's what that's what's surprising to me. I don't understand that. So I would say it has been the devil's game plan since the very beginning. If you look at what happened in the Garden of Eden, man is supposed to be the leader. And w- woman generally is the wiser one. Ah, this, this is... <laughs> <laughs> <that> <laughs> if you think about it, if you think about David and Abigail, what did Abigail and, uh, do when Naboth was acting not very wise? She went and she went to David and she did the smart thing and won David over with her gentleness and her wisdom. And in general, like when men, we have a tendency to sometimes go off on these really great ideas that we have and we want to do this and we want to do that. And she's the one that comes to you down and goes, okay, how are we going to do this in a way that's not crazy and we're going to sell everything and run off and do. And she's be like, okay, let's, how do we do this more wisely and so a smart man takes the wisdom of his wife and leads with it and will know when sometimes what she says is not what needs to go so what happened was she talked she she made the mistake talked to the serpent and then the serpent convinced her to eat of the fruit then she brings it to him and instead of being the leader and say listen god said not to eat of this we're not going to eat of it he takes and he eats also so she goes ahead and does what she shouldn't have done, and so does he, and he doesn't lead either. And so each of them forsook what their role was as man and, and woman, and it's been, it's been the devil's game plan since then. I just, I just want to say one point, uh, just, just real quick. You're definitely out of the doghouse if that's what you're trying to get out of. So, so, so I, I just go. I think it's, it's a little bit dangerous to, to say, uh, you know, to qualify that women are wiser. 
Okay, so I don't know if I agree with you there. I will give you this. I will say that when it comes to social interactions and reading a room and understanding people's feelings, yeah, I think default yeah. woman, Eve, let's call her Eve, like average woman, Eve, I think, she, yeah, she probably could read a room pretty good and navigate the social waters a little bit better. I mean, there's entire Marcellus and movies about women doing that very successfully, right? Men are, average men, let's call him Adam, not, not so much, right? Not so much. Um, but you know, it's the opposite in other things, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we don't need to, we don't sure. need to annoy our entire audience here by <laughs> saying who's better, man. But I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, Theo, you had mentioned something earlier about um, self idolization um, that has become a prominent problem nowadays in society, and I think what has happened is people have lost their focus on. God's image, period. And it's now focused on their own image and they become very self-centered and egotistical within themselves, whether if it's hyped from social media or their friends or whatever it may be. And they then start to attack their own self-identity through the self-praise in a way where they say, I'm going to do things that, for example, or I'm going to become, or I'm going to start acting a certain way that I'm, that that gender should not. So for example, men, you know, if they have a high ego, their ability to approach a woman will be very minimal or it may be over overboard one or the other it could be either extreme, but there's no sense of balance between what is appropriate and what my actual role is. It's either unapproachable or very approachable. Um, same thing with females. They may think that they are way too good for people and they may think that they're way too good or way too underqualified to be who they are in God's image. And a lot of things like that has been really predominant these days, along with depression in a lot of youth, because their image and their focus is not focused in replicating God's image, but rather glorifying their own image. And there's no love in that because in the end, God is love. If I'm not reflecting God's image, what am I filling myself with? you know, my own image, my own desires and my own um, worldly happiness, happiness is happiness, whatever the, the plural word for happiness is. So I, I think that's also a big focus and a shift that has occurred and that we're seeing nowadays in our youth and our young people in that they have lost the understanding of their roles in, in society because they're focused on themselves. They're not focusing on their responsibility and their roles in society as a whole and as a functioning unit. They're focusing on who am I and how can everyone else, the world revolves around me, but I am not in a world that revolves altogether. You know, it's like you have a puzzle piece that's a corner, you know, it has two straight edges and it's trying to become a piece in the middle. It's not going to fit. That's not what its purpose is. It's supposed to fit here. You have a design shape for you that belongs there. And that is your purpose. If you try moving it somewhere else, you're going to have a dysfunctional puzzle. It's not going to be completed. And that's the chaos that we're seeing in today's and world. And you're not going to be the best you that you can be. Exactly. Exactly. You're going to have a distorted puzzle where a piece is here, but supposed to be there. And the picture is not going to come out good, which is our world today. Abuna. And to summarize Theo's point and yours as well, Justine, the main issue that you have focused on is we focus so much on ourselves and we take God and the creator completely out of the picture to the point that we're saying, 
it is who I am. I am like that. I am created like that, which actually it is wrong because it's not God who created you like that. It's sin who made you like that. The, the reason for everything, and this is to summarize what we've been talking about for the past maybe 15, 20 minutes or so, that we keep saying, well, I am like that. I was created like that. But no, it's not. Because you do not have the physical or the body parts or the sexual parts that prove you are created like that because you're the opposite of what you're saying. It's so we need to come to the conclusion and realize it is sin who made that change and it's not God who created you like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think um, to your point, Abuna, when sin is practiced and it stops becoming just sin, becomes a routine or part of my identity, it's very difficult to for anyone that's in that kind of sickness, because it's sickness, to differentiate between what is them and what is the disease. And then all of a sudden now, it's the same thing. Like, I am, you identify with the sin, right? And it's so hard sometimes having conversations with these people because they're completely uh, blinded to what's happening to them. And the hatred they have for God and the hatred that they have for themselves, but they can't express it. Right. And so they look for an answer outside, but because they don't have God, there, there is no, it, it, it's, you know how, you know how the Holy uh, Fathers describe hell as an unquenchable fire where everyone desires to drink just water, just one more time in their life, drink some water, but they can't because it's an unquenchable fire. That is what's happening inside these people. Essentially, they, they, they are in this tortured state about their identity, about who they are, uh, about who they want to be. And they're looking for a resolve and they're desperately like looking for an answer. But because they've blocked off God, there is no answer, right? There is no answer. And they will continue to suffer and they'll continue to feel that pain. And, and, and the one comment I want to kind of move into now is how do we interact with those people, right? Because, because going to someone and, and saying, you know, God hates you is, is 100% false. It's not right. Or telling them that, you know, you are wrong, also very hurtful, also is not going to bring this person back to God, right? And, and unfortunately, some of the people, uh, when we talk about cultural differences later, some of the people in our, uh, in our congregations and our communities are so far removed from this kind of stuff, from these kind of issues, that, that their immediate reaction is defensive, like, get away from me. Like, how this is disgusting. Get, get out. I mean, there are stories of, of people uh, in the community of someone struggling with this and their parents kicking them out of the house. How is that acceptable, right? You, your, your kid is sick. And your answer, rather than take them to the hospital, is to kick them out, make them feel miserable about who they are, right? So, so how do we deal with these issues in, in, in general? I think, the, I think the first step is to realize that we are all sick to a, certain, to a certain extent. We all have our own maladies. And as much as that is an extreme of fighting against how God created you, each one of us has things where we fight against things that God created us in us. And when we were talking about male and female roles, that we sometimes are not happy with what ga God gave us, and we want something else. Like, like when I see someone who can sing, and I want to sing like them, and I'm jealous that they can sing, well, I forget that God gave me other talents. And I think being able to understand the other person and being able to not see them as, well, you're bad, you're, 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 you're the patient and I'm the doctor. No, we're all patients in the hospital. And so we can, we can relate to each other in that way and then help to guide each other into the true light, into the path of God, that, the path that he created us for. And we will continue to be patient 
like there there is a no stop till the very last breath we will continue to fight against this but it's who can have the longest breath to be able to fight and also understand the person like what theo was saying that our culture and our community like they are pushing everyone away and these um they think that god hates them god does not hate anyone and he will never hate anyone he came down for these not for the healthy one that do not need a doctor so we have to come to this understanding and probably this is our door that we can go through them through it to them to say god does really love you but do you know who god is do you know who the creator is and instead of saying well there's something wrong with you or you need to be on medication or this is not who you are and just go down the list that will push them further away from us so to take the the opposite side of the argument if i had the amen button i would yeah. press it right now when sure. <laughs> <laughs> to take the other side of the argument though the the way that they're the those people are looking at it the ones that are pushing away is kind of like if you think about it if you know someone with covid was walking into church coughing and i think it's they think it's contagious and it's going to spread and they're afraid because they don't know like you were saying you're 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 in your own cocoon and you don't know what this is about so it's different it's it's scary I don't want it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I think um, your point, uh, which Abuna expanded on, is incredibly uh, valid. I, th I think um, a lot of criticism comes from people that come to visit our churches. I'm not talking about any particular church, so don't, don't anybody clip this and send it to their, your priest. But, <laughs> but in general, the, the feedback is uh, they're cold. You know, yeah, it's a beautiful service. I, I did my research. I love the fact that uh, the Orthodox uh, people are still practicing the same way uh, the ancient fathers of Christianity practiced. I felt so, you know, I felt the spirit of God, but the people are so cold. You know, they, they didn't welcome me. They, they looked at me funny. They came and asked me, uh, what is your name? How much you make? What is your social security? You know what I mean? Those are extremes. Uh, but, but, you know, that's why the, the uh, you know, in, in the diocese down here in the South, so you know, created the uh, Coptic American church because now there's a church that caters to their needs. You know, these people were being locked out of the church in a way. Now they have an answer. But generally, you know, our communities are, are, are cold. And I think a lot of that is uh, because um, lack of humility, if I may say. It's almost as if uh, we are who we are. Who are you to try to come Join in us. from the outside, right? But humility is, or, or excuse me, pride uh, is not the only thing. In fact, I wouldn't even call it the origin. I think it, it really is fear in many cases. And I think that um, if we can just learn to love unconditionally the way our Father in Heaven loves. And see, this is a very difficult point. This is where we have to stop and say, if you're spiritually immature... It is not a good idea to have these types of people in your life. It just isn't because you're going to be negatively affected. Not, maybe not now. Maybe you think you know what you're doing. And you get, but the more time you spend, the more you're exposed to me. Like, well, these people are normal. Of course, uh, of course, they're in your mind. They're going to be normal because you're meeting with them and, and interact with them on a regular basis. That's called normalization. 
It doesn't mean that they're actually normal. It means that you are been around it long enough that it's part of your, your habit, part of your routine, part of your day, right? So now all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, well, they're not as bad. You know, wait a second. I kind of I kind of understand their ideology. And now you're sympathizing and sympathizing. And before you know it, you're posting rainbow flags and whatnot on your Facebook and your social media and, and, and whatnot. And you've strayed so far away from the truth that you don't even see the truth. And this happens all the time. We t you didn't get it last time, but the whole frog, you put a frog in a pot of water and the water is good, and then slowly you crank up the heat. The frog doesn't know it's dying, and eventually it dies. It's just like, hmm, this feels like a sauna. And then it just, it just dies, right? This is what's happening through normalization. So if you're spiritually immature, it's probably not a good idea to be friends with these people. You can love from afar. You can pray. You can um, try you know, not to be mean, or, or, or if you see something, just intervene. But those of us that are spiritually mature, that, that really have... Uh, take the time to connect with God on a regular basis and under the supervision of your spiritual father can reach out to these people in our communities that are suffering from this identity crisis and, and, and be friendly and be loving. Yes, Abun. Um, I will comment on one thing that you said and uh, you kind of corrected yourself and I just want to clarify that when you said it's pride and we need to learn how to humble ourselves and, and, and learn humility and then you said it's fear. It's more towards fear because it's unknown to that culture and what they hear that they hear so many negative and bad things, but they don't know what these kids, either men or, or women are going through. So it's more fear of the unknown than it's pride and humility. And thank you for correcting yourself because our church and our culture, they are welcoming. They are welcoming people and they are they they have good hearts but again when you are trying something new and all that what you hear about it is just negative of course you're gonna fear because you don't want your kids because just like uh, mike said you're someone has covid and walks inside any building and starts coughing everyone looks at them so it's the same thing but here they need more help than anyone else in a way it's gonna be more love the more love and the more you talk about God to them, how much he loves them and he, how much he cares about them, the better you're going to absorb that away and the more you're going to get their attention to listen to you rather than putting the fear in their minds and for them to run away from you. And thank you for correcting that. And to yeah, if, if I could just, no, I, I totally agree with you, and, and thank you for bringing that. So, so there's two specific groups that I, in my mind that I'm referring to, right? The older generations, the ones that don't get it, the ones that are so far removed. Um, and then there's the younger kids. Oh, you're gay. Oh, look at you. You talk funny. The ones that are making fun of the other, right? Putting them down, making them. So that group is the one I'm addressing the pride voice because it's like, look at you. You're disgusting. You have this blemish and I don't, right? It's not a sense of compassion. It's not a sense of love. The older generation, for the most part, I agree. They just don't get it. The younger generation, they get it. I mean, because they're living in this culture, right? They might not understand it. But but I think so many times, especially with young men, uh, you know, there's this put down this bullying. It happens, in the, you know, we see it at the high school convention or whatnot. And that has to be addressed because if you're a, a 14, 15, 16 year old kid and you're not sure what your gender is and the entire group of guys in your Sunday school class are just making fun of you the whole time, you are not going to have any desire to go to God, most likely, just because if this is what the church is, I don't want anything to do with it. They're making me feel miserable about who I am. But no, I, your point is just valid. I, I, I agree. Totally. Um, I was going to piggyback off of what Abuna was saying and what you'd kind of just mentioned, Theo. Um, one of the things I think my two cents about how to approach these people who may have not even just a gender identity crisis, but 
a role in society identity crisis where they don't understand what their correct role is or if they're very extreme towards women are equal to men, men are equal to women. I think a lot of times these people may have, I I always like to look at the root cause, what causes them to think this way. And I think sometimes it's a lack of self-esteem or a lack in praise or an appreciation in their own talents and their own skills. And I think that in order to approach these people, one, like Abuna and, and you, Theo, like what you guys said, love is the most important of all. Um, you know, one of the verses that we always say is love conquers all sin. God is love. If we show that person love, you know, they're going to see a kindness, a soft area where we are accepting them, whereas other people did not accept them for, for their natural traits. And so approaching them with love is, I think, one of the main important steps is showing them that you accept them for who they are. I think the next thing is not labeling what their sin is, but showing example of what sin is not. So, you know, in in an example of them, for example, thinking that, I don't know, uh, females can do something that men can do, but you know, something that is socially awkward for females to be doing that they shouldn't be doing, you know, men roles. You know, you having a discussion with them and talking about, oh, you know, well, this is kind of what I think the role is supposed to be. And this is why I think your traits would work in this way, you know, highlighting their strengths and identify. And this is why it takes a lot of getting to know the person personally so you can identify what their strengths are and improve it, bring it out to them, show it to them, highlight it to them so that they can see, wow, I actually do have an ability to do this, this, and this. Whereas I thought I never did, so I thought I had to switch roles and go to something like this. When they see that somebody actually cares, someone spends time to get to know them, um, they sit down to understand their qualities and their strengths and highlights it to them to show that you can do so much with what God created you in, they're going to start to notice that wow, I can actually do something that I'm supposed to be doing. They can take their strengths and actually apply it. Whereas if we're pointing at the negatives, they're always going to focus on the negatives. We point on the positives and reinforce the positives. And that's going to help somebody get closer, not only to you, but if you are like you're saying, Theo, you have to be spiritually strong in order to provide that rebuttal against it's not going to be easy at all. You're going to come across some resistance, some questions, and, um, you know, you may need some guidance from a spiritual father, someone um, who has been through this before, but, you know, with, with prayer and with love, that's the most important thing. You have to go into it with love, not with pride, like you were saying of, you are wrong, I am right, let me show you what's done. Just, but uh, you, you just said one word in, 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 your, uh, in what you just said that I want to clarify it. Um, that you mentioned and said we have to accept them for who they are. I will disagree with that and I will argue that point. We can love them, we can show them compassion, but I cannot accept them for who they are unless you can clarify what you meant by that because I'm not accepting what they changed themselves to, who they are not really, who they really are. So if, if they are who they originally are, yes, but for what the status that they changed to, I, I wouldn't, I have to be very careful with saying that because now that might confuse them or it might confuse everyone around them. Yeah, like accept the person, but not the sin, or exactly. not the ideology. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, oh. so, so, so let's, I'm sorry, go ahead, Michael. Uh, so we're getting into a very um, difficult 
point. So what happens when someone has transitioned and has taken hormones and has had surgery and has transitioned to a different gender and then they see the light and how can we love them at that point where they realize that they were who they God created them to be but now they've they've destroyed that in a in a way there's certain things that just as in a lot of other sins that there's things that we do to ourselves like someone who's an alcoholic who then winds up in liver failure and now has to live with the liver failure they also have to deal with the consequences that they've made how do we love them in that point where they're even maybe even more confused now i think i think that's such a rare case at least for now come come back to us in five years i'm sure it's gonna be way more common but but uh, so so let's just address that and then move on to the next topic so my, my opinion on that is, is very simple it's never too late it's never too late the, the thief yeah. on the cross perfect case exactly. right yeah. go ahead no, I'm saying I'm agreeing with you. It's never too late. There is always a fix to anything that's broken. So. The earthly cost is paid, and that can't be undone, right? Can yeah, someone reverse? Sure. Can, can someone who's on hormone therapy go back? Well, it, it depends on the situation. Okay, right? well, well so, and yeah. if it depends, you've lost. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but the earthly cost is paid. That can't go back. But what's important, this is not important. You know, this is only important. Uh, if the focus on this is only important when it is doing something that disobeys or rebels against God, mm -hmm. that is when we should focus on this and bring it back to God. But as soon as that's happened, as soon as this has been subjugated to God, it doesn't matter because God will accept any offering we give him as long as you do it with humility and, and return to him. It doesn't matter. Come as you please. The spiritual being, we get new bodies, right? We get new mm -hmm. spiritual. Yes. That's going to be fine. You know, that's the one that's eternal. This is like a, a rental. Right? Rental? From the, anyway, um, so, so let's bring it back for a second. So we spent the first half of our conversation talking about the extreme cases, right? Folks that really think that they're uh, a woman that thinks of the man, a man that thinks of a woman. Let's make it a little bit more relatable. Let's talk about the precursor step, right? Where the, it is now common in culture for men to have female traits and women to have male traits. And this one, this one's so subversive, it's almost snuck in from the back door. No, none of us are aware of it, right? What am I talking about? I'm talking about men who spend hours getting ready, who their personal looks and their personal figure and their hair and their clothes are top notch. Now, I'm not saying you should walk around in sweats and be a slut. That's not what we're saying, right? The, 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 we're not going in extremes, but we live in, I'll, I'll tell you a story. So uh, I went to a convention. I'm not going to say which convention, and I'm not going to get specific, but my job was to wake up the, uh, the young men. Uh, Buna, you were there. Uh, my job was to wake up the young men uh, to get them ready for liturgy. And now nobody wants to wake up for liturgy, especially not those kids. They're coming to hang out. So, so we're, we're, Abuna and I are knocking, trying to, get, trying to get them wake up. We finally get them up. We finally get them dressed. And then the uh, first couple leave, and then there's like more than half left. And we're, and we're like, guys, come on. You know, Abuna is about to give communion. <laughs> like, you got to go. And they're like, no, hold on. Uh, I got to do my hair. And he's in front of the... Uh, and, and we're like, it's a boy's convention. Like, why do you have to do press. your hair? <laughs> like, no, no, I got to look good. And, and finally, they do come out. They look fly. Their hair is on, on, on point. I mean, everyone's got the little perm going. And, you know, the, the clothes are nice and the shoes are nice. But why? Like, Wait, it's a boys' convention. There are no girls that are impressed. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, this, this boggles my mind. But it's not just that. When you look at social media, I look, I look at you because you're like, you run our social media. But when, when you look at social media, right, and you see people's streams and whatnot, right, it's crazy. It's crazy how uh, everything's been flipped, right? There are hair care products for men. 
right? There are men get their hail, their nails done and, and spend thousands and thousands on their looks. And, and it, it's bizarre. Meanwhile, we have, we have women that have now taken on male characteristics, traditionally male characteristics, right? And this is what's happening in the, in my opinion, the way I see it, if you look at it through your spiritual eye, in the battlefield in which the, the devil and uh, the, the forces of good are fighting, you, you don't go from young child born in a healthy family and immediately jump into, well, I'm going to change my gender. There has to be something in the middle, right? There has to be something that slowly brings you to that other side. And, and what it is, it's, it's a softening of men in our generation. Like uh, sometimes working and talking with these, with these young men, they have no idea what it means to be a man. The strength of character, the honor, right? The sense of self, the sense of sacrifice. These, these concepts don't exist in a lot of these young men, right? Uh, I, my ministry is mostly with young men, so I'll let you guys talk about you know, what you're seeing with, with women. The insecurity, the lack, of, the lack of confidence, right? All of these things. And so you, we have this generation, Joe Rogan said it, the, of soft men that are creating soft times that are just going to make it very hard for us, right? And a man that is, that is soft, a man that is not a true man, doesn't understand his role in the family, in society, in the church, the way that God made it, is a man that's going to create children who also don't understand their role. So I think part of the issue is that we, have, um, we had a misunderstanding of what it means to be a man or what it means to a woman or a girl or a boy. And there was this little thing where it was like, okay, well... What does it mean? And if a girl wants to play with trucks, oh, no, you don't do that. And it's not as superficial as that. But then it becomes an issue when you add on to this thing. Is there anything wrong with a guy wanting to like, not have a wrinkled shirt? No, there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to a point where you start wanting to focus on your looks so much that it, it's kind of unnatural, it's because if you think about it, in a lot of cases, there was absent fatherhood. There wasn't the great role model that showed what it means to be that man that we were talking about, that godly man. What does it mean to be that leader, that person that stands up for th for those that are downtrodden, the person that stands up for what's right, the person that is that straight arrow, that priest of the family, that person that's going to be the leader, the one that's going to go to battle and it's going to die for his family. And that's not what a lot of, a lot of people have seen growing up. And so what do they have to model? They don't, they model after what they saw. And in some cases their role model was their, their mother, which is great, but she can't model fatherhood. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the two movements kind of go hand in hand, like the, it, when the pattern that we're seeing with men being a little more on the soft side and on the other hand, women becoming kind of hyper independent to combat that or to overcome that, I think it goes hand in hand because if like, let's say you, you, you know, you can't depend on this person or you can't depend on this man, then what you're trying to do essentially is you're just trying to take on what they would do, the role they would do. So in return, you're being you're this over independent person who is willing to take on so many roles and so many things, so that you don't have to depend on anyone else. So, and that creates the I don't need imbalance. no man in my life type yeah. of movement, you know, where all females think, <clears throat> um, and and it's very prominent nowadays because you've got the mix of 
we'll call them soft men that do not understand the role that they're supposed to fill in. You have a lot of women that now have to, like Karen is saying, hyper accommodate for this lack of manhood and they're having to take on additional roles. And, you know, for example, many females nowadays are not getting married until later stages in their lives. Um, and once they've reached, it can be from for many reasons, focusing on career, schooling, whatever it may be, lack of finding somebody who is a real man. Yeah. And when it comes to that stage, they've then become so independent and so um, folk, not focused self -sufficient. on- Self-sufficient. Yeah, self-sufficient. That in the end, they're kind of just like, why? Why I, I've got everything stabilized. I can carry everything on my own. What is the purpose of someone else coming in my life for? And that's I think where it goes hand in hand with, um, you know, males softening, pulling back, and females having to overcome that and move forward a little bit more. Did, did, did you hear? Did you? <laughs> I don't want to call you out, <laughs> but you know why women are are becoming men because men are becoming men. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's true. Almost, it's almost, it's almost, She's so right. Yeah. I, I don't dis I don't necessarily disagree with you, but it's like a chicken and egg kind of conversation. Yeah, exactly. What 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 happened first? Um, I, it can I, be intimidating I, to men too, yeah, where they're just yeah, like, yeah. "That's scary." Now the men, yeah. you know, it's it's a chicken and egg situation. I, I, it's both. Like like we can just agree that both things are happening and they're feeding they're feeding into each other. Uh, from, can from, I ask a question though, yeah, to yeah. the to the women in our group? What kind, what stress does that cause on you when you feeling that you need to take on both roles because you don't have you don't have a man taking on the male role that he should be taking? Um, you'll learn how to use a gun. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> she did not say that. You, you said, <laughs> I did that for you. There are so many things that I think can stress someone out, whether if it's financially. Or, um, but granted, a lot of females nowadays are becoming more financially independent that they can tend for themselves. Um, it can be a, a, I don't know. I I feel like. So the answer is nothing. No, it's perfectly. You're perfectly yeah. okay. You don't need. You don't need a, you don't need a man. <laughs> there is actually a major problem that's happening right now. It's actually becoming a huge issue right now. That the manhood is is not the same as before because before the men wouldn't allow the women to work so they wouldn't do m money or they wouldn't depend on themselves or even make more money but now the man of the house is completely okay to stay home and for the woman to work back in the days this this wouldn't happen mm -hmm. like the woman is working and i'm not or, or she's even both of them even working, but she's making more money than him. That's mm -hmm. a huge problem. But now if you, if a guy knows that there is a woman that makes more money than him, he would just run after her. So, <laughs> and, and this is becoming yeah. a problem. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's, it's becoming normal in the society right now, which I'm not saying that the woman shouldn't make as much as the man or even make more. I'm not saying, but based on quality. But for him to say... Yeah, it's okay for me to stay home and do this. Well, again, what are the like? What were you made for? Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot, yeah. like you're saying, Abuna, a lot of, um, you know, what what were you made for exactly? Like, what what is your purpose? Are you gonna sit home like a couch potato while the woman does everything? Um, the the standards have changed, mm -hmm. where the standards have been lowered, so that you know 
The bar is on the floor. Exactly. <laughs> the bar is literally on the floor. There's no standard to try to meet. So there's no hope, Karen? <laughs> um, and, and it makes it tough yeah. because, you know, a lot of people, they try to accommodate um, for for differences. And that's what causes conflict. Again, it comes back to you are, you know, the men are supposed to be there to provide. Not just, it's not just even financially. It's It's that security that sense of security while as women are supposed to provide the compassion the more emotional um and so that lack of the complementing of each other if a man does not provide security the woman has to provide it herself so that causes a defense mechanism to go up and that prevents an ability for you know um emotional stability in in certain situations yeah one of, one of the things that i watch very closely uh, in, in, in the in the world of media is uh, the red pill and the blue pill movement. I watch them very closely because I'm watching how that how, how much effect that has on our youth. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, sure. So I didn't know what it was until I started seeing more and more of our kids posting these clips uh, from from these podcasts. I'm like, who are these, who are these guys that are coming up with these ideas? And you're going to do the research, and there's this whole red pill, blue pill, right? The red pill folks are like, uh, man, it comes from the matrix. Yeah, it, it does come from the matrix. Uh, people that are red pill subscribers are are men who think like women are just abusers and users, and in turn, a man should just use a woman and get the most extract the most resources out of her because she's trying to do the same thing out of him so pleasure you extract your body all of that all of that and just use her and just move on because man it's almost a reaction to feminism and an overt like you said swing to the right hand side and more and more of our of our kids those of us that follow uh you know social media are subscribing to this kind of mentality on the other side the blue pill is like yes girl power uh, you know the female divine god worship the girls mm -hmm. you know which is again an overreaction to uh you know the original view of manhood, which is honestly very toxic, which is a woman's place is to be barefoot and make sandwiches at home. And no one's saying that. No one's here is saying that. But that was the old world. And so the the, blue pill, the feminists, right? They were created out, out of that, right? So you have, you have uh, they call them simps. The blue pills are your simps. Anyway, I know, Abuna, it's stupidity. But but anyway, just, just, just follow me. Very following. interesting. Yeah, it is. So, 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 so this is the kind of, this is the new age theology that our kids are following, are growing up in, where uh, essentially, you know, uh, you get yours, you get the bag, right? And you use other people. You just get, you are the focus. It goes back to idolatry, right? What is the first commandment? Thou shall not have any other God other than? Before me. Yes. Okay. So we're all breaking the first commandment. Social media is worship at the altar of my beauty. Like, look at me. Like, I am so, become a follower of me. Like, the focus, the new God is you. Like, it's the same sin. Uh, you know, uh, one of, uh, you know, my father confession taught me it's the same sin. They're the same mother sins. They just happen to show themselves in different ways, right? And so this, this first sin of Lucifer is the same sin that's happening today. Like, ah, worship me. I am the most blessed. I look, I am so special. And so that's, what, that's essentially what's happening. You have men who are subscribing to that ideology, right? And it could be many reasons. It could be they didn't have a good father. It could be because their heart was broken. At some point, they got into a relationship prematurely. Yep. We're going to have a whole subject on that, right? About premature relationships. So, so wait for that. But the, they got into a relationship too mature. Their heart was broken. They were cheated on, or something happened. And now they think women are absolute trash, right? And and this is the, the kind. And the same way, vice versa for for women. It could have been so many reasons. The end result is the same. They have this idea where you know what? I need to. This is my focus, myself. And in the end. Anytime a man, like Abuna was referring to, any time a man does not take on his role, does not take on his job, bad things happen. Look at David, right? David, 
when when he started to go really down this rabbit hole, it's like a, this would be like a great musalsil. Like, hmm, who's this beautiful woman? Yes, yes, I'm going to commit fornication. And then, oh, I regret committing fornication. i got to hide my sin. I know. I'll pull her husband over and try to convince him. Okay, that didn't work. All right, I'll kill him. You, you, you see, and it all started from what? David being lazy, laying on his bed, not taking his role, his identity, uh, seriously, his job. And seriously. not going to battle. Yeah. And not going to battle. You know, if we were to update that into the modern times, it's, it's what Abuna was talking about. These, these men that are like, eh, you know what? I'll just let her make the money. And I'll take it and I'll spend it on Xbox. You, you, you know what I mean? But at the same time, yes, man, go ahead. But uh, commenting on David, but you know what's the first battle that David actually fell in? When, when did he start to do that? When he left God. Yes. When he stopped talking to God. This is when he starts to fall down. And that's the battle that we all fall before anything major happens. That we leave God and we depend on ourselves and then we just stray away. Amen. Amen. Wait, no, it's hallelujah. <laughs> Sorry, I walked Absolutely in. right. Yeah. I, I wanted to say, Theo, you were mentioning something about the self-idolatry. And when you look at marriages nowadays, you see a huge increase in divorce rates. Within our community, I mean, what is this? What are the stats now? Fifty percent. It's above fifty now. Yeah. It's above fifty. I think. We're, I remember when I was a kid. I don't even know if this is accurate. It was around twenty-five yeah. percent. What are the three first common reasons? Financial, I know, is one. Sex. Yeah. Issues uh, in, in, in adultery. Sex. And well, yeah, it's it's not it, the general topic is sex, uh, like a libido issue mm-hmm. or whatnot. Uh, and then what's I forget what the last one is. Oh, it's burning the macarona bechamel. <laughs> I think that's the third one. Yeah, that sounds know. legit um, in our community. So, um, so when you have a lot of these divorces, and you look back and see what are the causes of the divorces, you know, it stems from the lack of self-sacrifice. Yes, in absolutely. a marriage, absolutely, and the lack of the ability. And what is sacrifice? A form of love, and what is love? God. So it all stems back to the lack of God provides you a lack of love. And then the lack of love provides you causes a lack of sacrifice and willing to sacrifice, give up for the other. And then that causes uh, more. So instead of sacrificing, you sacrifice, you want to receive. So that creates like a, a need. And then now both spouses are in this. I need and they need. So now we are just trying to extract as much as we can from the other and it's not going to be free it's not a giving relationship it's a taking away you're, you're onto something let, 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 let's stay with that line of thought okay? okay so how did this man and how did this woman end up into the state because it doesn't matter how much they demand it doesn't matter how much they say they need it will they will never be filled because what they actually need they're not attuned to right i need i need i need love i need love well you're getting a filtered insignificant crude form of love right the love between a, a husband and a wife even at its best is nothing like the love between father and his child right the heavenly father and his child even the love between a mother uh, a physical father like a biological father and biological mother as beautiful as it is is not as unconditional is not as pure as the love from the heavenly father and us right so if you are shutting that out it, you're, you're in that hellfire where you you want love you want love and you're trying all these different things and you're not getting it so how does a man become so selfish how does a woman become so selfish if we go all the way back we, we come to abuna's point and abuna's point is uh, people that essentially are not taking responsibility, are not accepting their, their role, their identity that God has given them, are completely rejecting 
any kind of work, honestly. I mean, it's a lazy society these days, right? And then we, we follow that back. Well, how did that happen? We, we come back to, to his point, which is, well, in their childhood, they didn't have positive role models or there were, there were difficulties or the, the social media kind of infected them. And then we bring it back to the original point where, you know, parenting, like, you know, you know honestly, yeah. like, especially in our communities. You know what I mean? Like, like, this, like we, we, we treat, sometimes we treat the boys as little babies. I'm going to stuff you. What are you going to do? It's just read. Oh, you're going to give you food. And I'll, you're like, have as much mahshi as you want. And I'll do your laundry and do all these things. And you get these men that are middallain. And then you get these women that, you know, I don't want to talk for you guys. Because I'm, learn I'm learning, right? I don't want to talk for you. But from what I've seen, I have a sister. But what, what I've seen is this double standard kind of sours them. Mm -hmm. It's like, what are they doing? Do they even love me? Right? And they start looking for love and they feel so small. You know, you're getting a little bit bigger, you know? No, that, 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 the Easter dress is not going to work on you. Right? And all of a sudden you get soured, right? Because you're, you're made to focus on these earthly materialistic things. Your, your parents are not telling you... When's the last time you, you read your Bible? Do you want to read the Bible together? No, they're telling you, when's the last time you picked up your anatomy book? You know, aren't you going to be a doctor? You know what I'm saying? And then you take it even even further back and you and you Aww. come to, I think, the Genesis. And the Genesis, the, the way, actually, it's not even my, my, my idea. This is the church fathers is without suffering in your life, without pain, without struggle, you will lose sight of the cross. Because the way of the cross is not is not comfy. It's not Starbucks and uh, you know Xbox and PlayStation and Call of Duty. The way of the cross is struggle. The way to be a Christian is to resist. Is to take this in its base form and its animalistic form and evolve it into what we're going to be if we make it to heaven, right? And we live in a world where there is really not that much struggle. I mean, the biggest struggle is, do I want cinnamon dolce latte or do I want caramel macchiato? That's the struggle that the vast majority of us are facing in our lives. The well, Wi-Fi wi is down. Or the Wi-Fi is, exactly. Or you know what? Abuna dakhal fijinayna, abuna. You know what I mean? Like, this is struggle to today's youth. And I'm sorry to say, it's not struggle. And if your life is devoid of struggle, if you're not fighting to resist and put this in obedience to God, because this, this does not want to obey God. This, this lahma, it doesn't want to obey God at all. It wants to resist Him and everything, right? And if you don't struggle to fight, right? And, and if you don't see the church as helping you to train yourself, rather you see it as a prisoner. The church is a prisoner. Who's the church telling me I can't eat meat on Wednesdays and Fridays? You know, like... That's so antiquated. Like, come on. Like, I, I can do what I want. You know, you start getting that mentality, right? And before you know it, you're not struggling. You're just, you're just David on your bed, laying down, and then the sin comes because you don't have that protection of Christ. And that, in my opinion, is Genesis. I mean, all the church fathers, St. Anthony, St. Macarius, uh, all of the church fathers that were in the monastic, and we have to unfortunately go all the way to the monastic to really see it illustrated. The struggle is important. The struggle is the key. Without struggle, there is no cross. Without the cross, there is no key to heaven's gates. So there's an interesting point that you bring in, especially about that struggle and that struggle being an important thing into achieving manhood. In all primitive societies or all ancient societies, there was some kind of initiation ceremony or some kind of initiation that boys had to go to and then they became a man. Yes, it's called the Sadiqin exam. Don't touch it, Mike. Keep going. Keep going, Mike. Keep going. It's coming out. Yes, awesome. It. Awesome. 
No, I was going to take out something completely different. Mormonism. Um, so one thing I was listening to a to an audiobook today, and they were talking about that initiation ceremony of different societies, and he was saying when he was a pastor in uh, Tennessee, and he would see men that seemed to to like have it together. They knew what their role was. They were mature. And every time he'd ask them um, about what family they're from or anything more about them, they find, he finds out that they were Mormon. And the conclusion he came to was the reason is because Mormons have this culture where once the men become of age, they go and do two years of preaching somewhere, evangelism somewhere. And they go to this foreign country and they have to learn this new language and have to live on their own and they have to struggle. And the whole struggle is to preach their religion. Now, I'm not going to say anything about the, the, their faith. The point is that they had to go through something that made them into a man and made them understand that they have responsibilities outside of themselves. When they go on these mission trips, they're not focusing on themselves. They're focusing on everybody else. Yeah, I mean, a struggle, self-sacrifice and, and, and selflessness are go all hand in hand. This is the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he came to teach us. And, and I think that uh, we lack in that. And I'm not saying we as the Coptic Orthodox. I'm saying we generally, as a, as a Western society, we don't struggle. And when you don't struggle, corruption is, is just eminence. But let's get the female perspective, and then we'll get the holy perspective. Because what, what do you guys think about this perspective? I think a lot of the times when you have um, females struggle in many ways these days, whether if it's comparison from one female to another, uh, worldly standards that hold, you know, that define beauty in a certain way. Um, there are a lot of struggles that, that can go on in a female's life. And I think that those are, it's interesting to hear the male's perspective of how they do not struggle enough. And I feel like females sometimes struggle a lot. And that might be why they come out the way that they do. They become much more independent. They're much more emotionally mature earlier. And they're able to identify what, I guess, what route that they're supposed to take in line. But it can honestly go both ways. You may have like a girl that's very spoiled and, you know, has everything her own way. And she will struggle, struggle later in life because she was not able to create that resilience that is needed when you struggle. And I love that you brought up the point about struggle is very important in someone's life because you grow from that. You develop new skills. You understand yourself better. You see yourself in a different perspective where when you overcome a struggle, you look back and you're like, wow, I did that, you know, and it makes you appreciate you know, and, and be thankful that you were able to overcome that. Obviously in our faith, we are always asking for God's aid in everything that we do. But along with that, God provides you some form of comfort in a, in a, in a sense of struggle or in a struggling time so that you're able to um, appreciate God's glory and glorify God after you've overcome whatever problem it may be. Um, nowadays, we find that a lot of people may not be struggling enough and it works for females too. Some females don't really struggle in life. It stems back to, I think sometimes in our culture, parents move to America to make a better life for their children. And when they do that, they want to provide for their children. They want to make things easy for them. Some some parents were able to have their children work. Some parents were able to, um, you know, tell their children, you need to do get good grades. You need to focus. You need to stay disciplined. And unfortunately, some parents didn't. It's it, it goes it went both ways. 
And I think it, it stems back to how are we raising our children? How are they understanding what their role is in life? Um, but it, I think in general, females kind of experience the same thing. They can either be very spoiled or very disciplined to the point where they have to overcome a certain struggle in some way. A lot of female struggles, I think, happen internally more than they do externally. Um, more with you know emotional struggles that they go through. I think that's usually what females go through much more. And it causes internal growth in some females and others it causes depression you know it's it's just how much how do you come out of it how do you grow out of it that that's important yeah i mean there's not much to add after that <laughs> you pretty much nailed it so basically the conclusion of what we're saying is it comes back to self-confidence if i'm understanding what mike and you were saying because we're not having self-confidence and we don't know that god loves us for who we really are. Sometimes we complicate things and we think it's like we have to do so much for in order for God to love us. But we need to keep it really, really simple. God loves us for who we are with our deficiencies and He knows what we're struggling with. He wants us only to knock on His door and He will answer. But the one thing that we fall into, like David did, that we sit back and relax and we don't go to him and we don't try to approach him because he can come and force himself on us, but because he loves us so much, he doesn't want to do that. Because just like he asked the paralytic man, do you want to be healed? Well, he knows he wants to be healed, but it's up to you and me. What do we want? So when we when he comes to us and, and he says, do you want to be healed? Do you want me to love you? And then I keep thinking and I'm waiting and leaving him on the door. Well, he might go. And now it, it, it will never be too late. But we need to realize that he loves us no matter what happens with any deficiencies we have. And this is sometimes the lack and of knowledge that we know about God, that he only loves me if when I'm perfect. And this is what we need to teach ourselves and we need to teach our kids and we need to teach everyone around us that he will accept you like who you are, but it's up to you now to accept him or not. Absolutely. Uh, Amen. I was waiting for that. Thank Amen. you. <laughs> I, absolutely. I, I, you know, and th this is, when you're talking about that, I, I, I think to myself about all the different things in society that are set up to tell our kids that they're not worth anything. To, the, the, all the things in society that are made to, to in, program into their, into their subconscious that they're not good enough. You know, whether it's because they don't look as good as everyone else on Instagram or uh, they don't uh, have the money that they need to get these shiny things or, um, you know, the, the issues that they have at home or the fact that, you know, they're a different culture or whatever. It is. All these things that are programmed into society to try to teach our kids that you are not worth anything. And it's that underlying sense of self that disengages them from God, in, in, in my opinion. I don't know if you guys would agree, because when someone feels so bad about themselves, so broken about themselves, and they don't have the knowledge, the spiritual knowledge that you're talking about, this very basic spiritual knowledge that the, the only person that will never turn his back on you, no matter what you do, is God, right? And they lack that knowledge. All of a sudden, they start believing the lies. Well, there's nothing wrong with me. 
And now you're weakened and the devil comes and says, well, you know what? For $19.99, you can buy these leggings that are going to make you look fantastic. You know what I mean? And, and then they, so they fall prey to trap after trap after trap because they buy the leggings or they, they go out or they, they get this bag or they buy this car or whatever it is and they're still empty and it doesn't do any good. And it turns into a rat race. And meanwhile, they never stop to see what the truth is. Because they're so disconnected from God. So, yeah, absolutely what you're saying. And, and to take it a step back on something that you started with, us as parents, sometimes we fall into this. And that takes us to your point, Justine, that the parents actually start that with, especially the females or the girls, that they're allowing the boys to do something and they're not allowing the girls to do something. And it could be the same thing. And it could be okay for the girl to do it. But this is when the girl starts to hate why am I being created a girl? And now I have to change something about what I'm doing. And all these ideas and thoughts come in mind. And and this is when the mistake starts to happen, that the parents are differentiating and putting like rules on the opposite of each side for the boy and the girl. The and, then, and then they start to reject everything the parents are saying because they this they see is unfair because it is unfair. And then... So this must be, and this is where we get the confusion between culture and religion. And some, a lot of this stuff is culture. And we've talked about this in this podcast many times, where we try to separate out what is culture and what is Christianity. What does Christ want? And Christ doesn't want this unequalness. But what happens is they see their parents, who are, com who are committed Christians, who are teaching them all this stuff, is, this is the way they're acting, and they think that's what Christianity teaches, and it's not what Christianity teaches. But I want to go back to the point that you were saying, Theo, um, and I feel like we, I keep bringing us back to the Garden of Eden. When you were talking about feeling that you are worthless and that the society just tells us you're worthless, it's like when, when God was looking for Adam and he said, why are you hiding? He said, because I'm naked. And he said, who told you that you're naked? That's what the devil does. He puts us down, makes us sin, mm -hmm. and then tells us we're naked. He tells us we're horrible people and God won't look at you because you're naked. I, I love it. And if we continue down that story, yeah, they disappointed God. Yeah, they committed the first sin. Yeah, I mean, this was a, a momentous uh, event in the history of mankind. And God was well within his rights to kick them out and say, I don't want to talk to you no more. But what's the first thing he does after he char charges them with, okay, you did this, so this is your punishment? What's the first thing he does? He makes clothes for them. He makes clothes for them. Better than the fig leaves that they had put together. He makes clothes from animal hide. He kills a creature that he created in order to love his his son and his daughter. If that is not a sign like of what true parenting is, the self-sacrifice and uncon true unconditional love, if that's not a sign of what we should be as parents, I don't know what is. And yet that's lacking. It's lacking. And, and I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm about to say this, but please open your heart and just, just, just listen for a second. We as parents have failed. We, those of us in this room that are parents, not yet, but those of us in this room that are parents, we have failed our children. We came, God took us out of a land that is persecution, that is difficult, that didn't have much opportunity. And he took us out and he brought us to a land of milk and honey, just like the Hebrews did. And because we, most of us, have not forgotten that, we feel connected to him. What we don't realize is our children do not feel the same way. Because all they've known is Carmel Macchiatos and Teslas. 
They don't know the struggle. They don't remember how hard it was for our parents and for some of us to live in that world and how much God saved us and what God did for us. We remember that. They don't. And so we operate, and this is where we failed, we operate in this understanding that, oh, of course my kids love God. I mean, I love God. My kids love God. But what we don't do is catch our own hypocrisy because we came to this land of milk and honey and we focus on our businesses and we focus on our careers and we focus on our LinkedIn and our social media and our Facebook status and keeping up with the Joneses and going to this person's house and going to that person's house. We focus on all of that, but we don't focus at all on our own spirituality, our own connection with God. Okay, fine. Deep down inside, you are still connected to God. What are you doing judging me? I'm not judging you. We're not, not, nobody here is judging you. We're calling your attention to what the devil has taken from you, which is the single greatest gift that was given to you. And no, it was not being saved from a land of persecution and brought to a land of milk and honey. That's not the greatest thing that you were given. The greatest thing you were given was your children. And you, you slept. And you let the devil come into your house and take your kids. And we know it because we serve them. We see it more than you do because we are with them. You are too busy, focused on whatever you have to do, that you don't see what's happening to your own children. And you don't care enough to spend any time with them and pay attention to them because you're too busy about your own life. And what's happening to your kids, if only you knew, if only you felt, maybe there would be a chance. Maybe there would be a chance for, for the future of this church, for the future of this congregation, for the future of your children. But because parents in general, I'm not calling anyone out, in general have forgotten what it means to raise children, right? To have unconditional love, to put your children first, to care for their spiritual needs above all else. This is the situation that we're in, where we've lost our kids and are actively losing them. I'm not trying to make it seem like it's, it's miserable, but Abuna, save us, please, because it got too negative. Well, I do agree with you. And you said one, um, one thing that I actually understood it in a different way. And I know exactly what you meant. Maybe their biological parents have failed them, but God as their father never failed them and will never fail them. But us also as servants in the church, we are their fathers and mothers, that we need to take care of them and look after them like God the Father is taking care of us. And the... the um, couple verses that came to mind in Galatians 3, verse 27 and 28, as it says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then the verse after that is basically, when you are put that on, you inherit the kingdom of God. And the word inherit, it's something very strong. Can anyone inherit me after I go away? Only my kids, unless I write the deed or something to someone else. So it's only my kids. So for God to come and say, you will inherit me. So now I have a birth certificate that I am his son. I am his daughter. But us as servant also, we have to take care of these kids as they are own, uh, they are our own kids that we need to look after them but sometimes we is like well i have my own issues i have my own problems at home i don't have to worry about anyone else so when we get that in our minds and get that in our kids' minds when i mean by kids not just my biological kids but the kids in the church 
either grown or young, and say, you know what? The, the God has never failed you and will never forget you because you were baptized and you put him on so you will inherit what he's giving to you. But you, again, you have to open and you have to go ask. And the other thing is, as David said in the psalm, my father and mother has forgotten me or forsaken me, but the Lord hasn't. So there are certain things that we need to engrave in our minds that he is there for us no matter what. So we can take the negativity away and say, well, my parents have failed me. Yes, um, maybe the parents have failed you. But what have you done also as a child or as their son or daughter to help that situation and not just give in and give up and walk away? And with that, I think this episode's wrapped up because that is a very powerful point. I absolutely agree with it. So we're going to go around the room and we're going to talk about uh, what we've gathered uh, from this discussion, what you're taking away. If someone asks you to go ahead and summarize, uh, what would you tell them? Uh, and we'll start off with uh, Karen. Um, so we talked about a lot of things today. I think the point that stood out to me is that the world we live in today makes it very easy to lose sight of our identity and to lose sight of who we are. And if we're not careful and we, if we don't keep in touch with our community and our church, and most importantly, God, it can be very easy to kind of slip through the cracks and um, just kind of get in, in, into situations that are harder to face on your own than if you were to include God. Yeah, so, so so for me, I mean, uh, my parents are old school Egyptian, and one of the things they'd say to we'd hear all all the time in our, to all kinds of guys is yawala. And, I, and I didn't understand what that meant. And one day I asked my dad, and after hitting me, no, I'm just kidding. He explained to me exactly what me, means estergil, right? It's be a man, acclaim your manhood, right? Like become the man that you're supposed to be. And this is the advice that I have for for most men that are struggling with their identity, right? Being a man is not exerting your authority and lauding it over others. Being a man is not bullying others. Being a man is not taking so that you have first and then everyone fights for the scraps. That's not what being a man means. Being a man is being so secure in your identity as the son of God where you are working the family business. And the family business is selfless love and service to all. That's what being a man is. And if you don't have the ability, the strength, the intelligence, the wisdom, the discernment, the, the, the power, the desire, the drive to do any of these things, to work in the family business, what do you do? You go to your father and he teaches you. So get on your knees and talk to, to your father in heaven and say, give me the discernment, give me the wisdom, give me the strength, give me what I need to do in order to become a man in your image. And if we can do that as men, I think that our community, our society, our world is going to be a lot better. Um, I think for me, one thing that really stood out was understanding, and this I guess would be a message for people who are on the border of, you know, saying, I don't like the way I am being treated as my specific gender. I need to be able to carry out the roles of this opposite gender. Um, have peace within your heart and know that you were created with a purpose. And you going out and showing animosity or hatred towards society for treating you for a certain way won't make you any happier, won't bring you any more peace. It's just going to cause unrest within your soul. Have love, have compassion, have peace. You know, sometimes, you know, bliss is the best option. You know, sometimes it's just you go with what you were intended to be. 
And I think a lot of people who want to take on a different role, you know, for, for the men, be out there to learn to provide, to support, to protect, to um, have compassion on. And females, be there to lo love and be gentle and be caring and, and compassionate like you were intended to be. Um, you know, the, the mixture, obviously, with everybody's personalities being very different, can change up or modify some things. But don't go to the very extreme of saying, this is not what I was meant to be, because it was. It, God, God is perfect and God does not make mistakes. And his purpose in creating you was for you to function as a male or a female in society, not for you to think that you can take on roles that the other gender has been assigned to do. Um, so take it in with peace and understand that you and yourself, you are perfect. You are perfect in God's eyes. You don't need to change the way you are. You don't need to act a different way to be accepted or um, loved in society. Yeah, this has been a very powerful um, message to me. And that as a, as a husband, as a father, as a man, that to, to, to lead and to be that sacrificial leader that we've been talking about, to be the one that puts his life aside, puts his, puts his life down, and to make sure that our kids see that too, that, that we grow them in the love of Christ and to show them that they are valuable in his eyes and that we and to know that we are valuable in his eyes and to love him and know him deeply and intimately and then in all of these other things they're just going to fall aside it's, it's all going to be vanity of vanities as solomon says i'll keep it short and and simple kiss with just one s so <laughs> um god loves you and me no matter what he will accept you and me no matter what happens just try him and open up to him and try to get to know him and you will be happy and you will be content with what you have or with the littlest you have and with that, we thank you so much for joining us. This is the uh, first episode in season two. Uh, we expect to have more. Uh, uh, what, what was that? Two? Oh, yeah, season two. Yeah. Okay. You remind me of my two year old. Um, so, so, this is the first uh, episode in season two. We thank you so much for joining us. We expect to have more robust conversations. There is a link in our social media where you can uh, ask us questions and propose ideas. We got this idea from you guys, right? So, let us know what you're into. If you live close to St. Mary's Delray Beach, join us every other Friday. Uh, we've changed up our, we've done a, made a, lo a lot of changes to the, uh, the, the program here. So, we think you're going to like it. Uh, we have new guest speakers, we have uh, more lively discussions. Uh, we we have better fellowships with greater food. Uh, the the most important thing we want to take you uh, that you, we want you to take away from is our verse. And our verse is, above all things, love each other fervently, for 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 fervent love covers up a multitude of sins. And if we can't do that, if we can't learn to love each other and love our community and grow our community, think about what the future of this church is going to be. And with that, we just want to say, we love you. God loves you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.